today on It's Time. But when we really look at what the Bible tells us, we realize that God wants to talk to us. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now what's important about this book, this is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to a young man named Timothy in his faith to encourage him. His mom was Jewish, his dad was Gentile. Now people say, what's that mean? Well, those that were Jewish actually followed the the Old Testament laws and things like that. Those who were Gentiles pretty much didn't follow anything. And so the result of this, most people believe his mom got saved and then Timothy got saved and of course his grandmother. And we find a little bit more about this when we get up to Second Timothy chapter 1. But when we look at this, we find this letter that Paul wrote to encourage a young Christian guy that was in the ministry. And I think this is really good because whether we know it or not, all of us are in the ministry. You will see people that I'll never meet. You will see people that a Sunday school teacher will never meet. And through your love and through the demonstration of God's heart inside of you, they see Jesus. And I think that's a great thing. So as we look at this today, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, encourage us, God, and again, as we study these, these words that were written, may they not be just ink on paper, but may they come alive with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we look at chapter 1 here, we find Paul writing. This is around 52 AD, about the same time he wrote a lot of the other epistles to the other churches. And so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Now he says, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That means a representative of his. And so as we look at this, we find that Paul, wanting to encourage brothers and sisters in the Lord, he writes these letters. So he writes to Timothy, my true son in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we find that this is kind of the the, the Pauline uh, greeting in almost every one of the epistles, except here we find something unique. Usually it's grace and peace be multiplied to you. But here he adds mercy. Why is that? Well, many, many people believe it's possibly because when you're a pastor, when you're a minister, Paul the apostle, looking at his life, and as we get a little farther into this chapter, we're going to see this very thing. I think many people who genuinely concern about ministering the gospel always have this nagging thing in their own heart, am I good enough? Because we realize we're all sinners saved by grace. That's what God did for us. Now again, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but the law, the Ten Commandments, 
It was never meant to justify a person. The thou shalt nots, all those things. But it was meant to show us we needed a savior. I think that's great news. Because again, the law was never meant to justify a person. It was meant to show us how much we needed Jesus. Well, Paul writes to this young man. And he writes to him, grace, mercy, and peace. Now, what is that? Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. That's just God being good to you. Don't you like that? Especially mom, dad, all of you that are parents. You extend grace to your children at Christmas. It isn't because they've been good all year. I'm going to give you a new little shiny red truck. It's because you love them in spite of their kooky stuff. Sometimes they do those cute little smiles that they do. But the grace is you being good to them when they don't deserve it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. If you get pulled over by a cop for speeding in a school zone going 45 and a 25, if they don't haul you to jail, and you go to the judge, you don't say, give me what's coming to me, judge. You say, mercy, please give me mercy. And so he extends to you a cut sentence or something along this line. That's what mercy is. But until we understand the grace and the mercy of God, we really won't understand the peace of God. And that's something God gives us. Peace is not based upon happiness. Peace is based upon joy. And here's why. I'm driving down the street. The lights are green. I'm happy because it's going my way. But when the lights turn red, my happiness might go away. Or somebody slow, get in front of me or something along this line. Now, it's okay if I'm slow in front of somebody else when I got something I'm doing. But if I'm behind somebody that's slow, then I get upset. Isn't it weird sometimes how we are? But anyway, the point is, is that peace is based upon joy. And joy that comes from God. Jesus said, I give unto you joy, not as the world gives. Peace, he said, I give to you. Why is that? Because the joy that comes from God, the peace that comes from God, is based upon you, me, being in God's hands. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be pretty worried. I wouldn't know about dying. I wouldn't know what's coming after this life. I wouldn't know if I was good enough to go to heaven or not. I really wouldn't know too much. But when you accept Christ as your Savior, Jesus, what he did for us is he allowed us to go to heaven, not because we're good, but because he's good. He paid the debt for my sin and your sin. And so because of that, that allows me to go to heaven. That means no matter what happens in the day that would take away my happiness, I still have a lasting joy knowing that he's got it under control. Isn't that good to know? God's got it under control. Whatever's going on in your life right now, if you're a Christian, God's got it under control. The Bible says, knowing this, all things work together for good that know and love God that are called according to his purpose. So even the things that even the devil would try to mess you up over, God can spin it around and show you he can make something great out of that. I like that about God. That tells me God is bigger than the things I've done wrong. God is bigger than the things that somebody would do to me. God is bigger than anything that would limit what God has called you and me to do for his kingdom. I think that's great. So he says, grace, mercy, and peace 
from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I like that. We find here that he speaks of the Father and Jesus being two separate entities. And of course we find that really as we study the Bible, we know we have a triune God, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's interesting if you go back to the book of Genesis. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And the Bible tells us that we're a triune being. You're a body, mind, and a spirit. Now, isn't that amazing? We're a triune being. You can have perfect health and be miserable. Why? Because there's something wrong in your soul. So that tells me that all three things have to work together. Your body, your mind, and your spirit. Now, Jesus said you must be born again. Why is that? Because something died when man rebelled against God in the garden. When he ate of the tree, God says, the day you eat of it, this day you surely die. When they ate of the tree, they didn't just die and fall down. But something did die inside of them. An innocence, that Holy Spirit, that communion that man had with God was gone. But when we become born again, when we accept Christ into our life, we become born again. And that is renewed and we have fellowship with God again like we did in the garden. That's why it's important to be born again. Because then I can hear God's voice. I won't waste my time on things that won't matter and don't matter. And I will spend my time on the things that do. I I think everybody needs to be guided. I think that's why people go to Ann Landers or or, um, uh, they'll look to their horoscopes or they'll look to their friends for advice or live their lives according to the lyrics and the songs on the radio. No wonder we're so messed up. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. You know what I'm saying. Pretty messed up theology out there. But when we really look at what the Bible tells us, we realize that God wants to talk to us. Why does he want to talk to us? So first of all, we're effective for his kingdom. I think that's really important. We don't waste time. Do you realize everything we do, every day we live, we are contributing to our eternal bank account. You see, the Bible says where rust and thieves and all those things don't corrupt, but what you do for God will live forever. It'll stand forever. I like that. I don't want to just believe my my life is here. I use this illustration over and over again, but it's one of the things. I don't know if you ever had one of those close encounters of the real kind. And and I've shared this so many times, and I I know you probably get tired of it, but it, it still impacts me every time I see it. When I went to a yard sale, anything in the box a quarter, and here's all these trophies of somebody who got shin splints or spent endless hours polishing their cars or whatever, all to be sold for a quarter in the box. I don't want my life, at the end of my life, to be a trophy in a box sold for a quarter. I want something that's going to last where God looks at you and me and says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, being about our father's business. What, what does God want us to do? I think that's a great question. What does God want us to do? Well, they came to Jesus one time and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then Jesus said, and the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two commands hang all the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. Amazing. Expecting them to say some kind of ritualistic, religious stuff. I got to get out there and do wear orange, you know, eat organically, whatever it might be to be good. Jesus said to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
upon these two is what the whole Old Testament is about. Wow. I like that. And so being about our daddy's business, representing him in a world that doesn't know him. Well, he says, I urged you when I was in Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, it's interesting. Paul commissions, and this word charge is a, a Grecian or a Roman term as a sergeant would command his, his privates. It, it is a military term. You stay there. I'm charging you. You stay there. And you make sure they don't teach a bunch of weird stuff. I don't know why in the world so much false doctrine goes on. I have to come to the conclusion it is absolutely fleshly and demonically motivated. The gospel, friends, is simple. Jesus said, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't make it hard. He didn't convolute it with all kinds of rules and regulations and hoop jumping and all this stuff. He just said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So it's simple. We're sinners. We need to be saved. We can't save ourselves. Jesus died on the cross for us. We cloak ourselves in his righteousness and allows us to go to heaven wonderful. That's the gospel. Why does someone want to mess with that? I believe because the focus changes from God and his goodness and his glory, what he did for us on the cross, to ourselves, self-motivational, self-focused kind of lifestyle. Again, this is why we become born again. Jesus said, Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's what I want to see in my life. I don't want to drag around the past forever. You know, one time I was sharing the gospel, and I, I said, I said, do you want another 10 years like you just had? And this one person came running up, except the Lord, and said, no, I don't want another 10 years like I just had. Why? Because we need a new start. Now, what's really amazing, King David in the, in the Psalms said, his promises are new every morning. I like that. His promises are new every morning. In other words, I don't, you don't wear God out by continually coming to him saying, God, I need to be refreshed. You know, I, I don't know if any people have ever been in a Burger King or a, a McDonald's where they have that soda pop thing where, you know, but I notice people who drink, come back and get more, come back and get more, come back and get more. I don't know how anybody's pancreas survives, but they keep coming back for more. Well, I really believe that's kind of the way God is with us. We just keep coming back for more. God keeps blessing us. God keeps filling us. And I need that. You need that. It isn't something that I just experience on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. It's something that we experience all the time in him. Because as Luke writes, he says, in him, speaking of Christ, we live, move, exist, and have our being. Like a fish in water. That's the way we are. We're in him. Now, why are we in him? Again, because God's got a special purpose for every one of us. No one has ever been like you ever before on this earth. No one will ever be like you ever again on this earth. You are uniquely and wonderfully made for God's specific purpose. Now, we can spend our whole lives wasting our time on purposes, again, that will end up 
in a yard sale box anything for a quarter. Or we can say, okay, God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want to do it. And you know what the Bible tells us? God's got a lot bigger plan for your life than you do. I like that. It isn't what I'm going to do. It's what God's going to do in me, in you, to bring about his kingdom. So he writes to Timothy and he says, I charge you, don't let anybody teach goofy stuff. Notice he says again, that they teach no other doctrine. Now, he, he was calling him to stay in Ephesus. Very possibly, Timothy didn't want to stay there. And I think this happens to a lot of people in ministry. I, I think we'll be in a place, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or whatever, and you think, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Paul says, you stay in there. You hang in there. You know, one of the things that you'll find God blesses in him, in Christ, is faithfulness. I don't always know what I'm doing, but I know this, I can make a difference. And so God tells, Paul tells Timothy, charge them that they don't teach any other doctrine. Now in verse 4, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now notice they had departed from truly teaching the Bible, and they were getting into weird stuff. Now, notice some of these things that are listed there. I think it's kind of unusual. Giving heed to fables. I don't know why people would teach fables rather than the Bible, but evidently it's popular, and we find it, I think, a little bit running around in the churches today. The second, endless genealogies. Now, this is weird because some churches, their whole crux of their church is their genealogies possibly for baptizing for the dead or other things. But here Paul says, don't do it. Why is that? Why do not genealogies matter in the Christian's life? Because we're born again, friends. We have a brand new daddy. We have, who's your daddy? I pray Jesus is. I pray God your father is. Because you have a brand new dad. And it isn't the genealogy of what you've been through and what you've passed. You know, there's a lot of books that are written on generational curses. You may have seen it if you've been a Christian for a while. You may see this where, uh, you know, it's eeny, beeny, chilly, beeny, you know, it's a whammo on your, fa- you know, on your family. I don't believe that. I do believe there is learned behaviors in families. In other words, mom and dad were an alcoholic. The chances of you being an alcoholic are probably pretty good. Not as a generational curse, but as a generational learning situation where that becomes normal. If you were abused as a child, the chances of you becoming an abuser of children is very high because it was something that was learned. But the good news is God lays an ax to your past. I like that. In fact, Jesus said it like this. Anybody looking back is of no use to the kingdom because you will never plow a straight line. Why is that? Because you don't know, you can't see where you're going. You're looking backwards. So genealogies don't matter. Your past doesn't matter. Now, I think this is important because a lot of times I like to blame genealogies for a lot of things in my life. Well, you know, that old German temper. No, it's the old sinful nature temper. Well, you know, that old Italian temper. Well, no, it's this, that old sin nature. 
We like to blame sometimes things on others. Now, the important part is this. I think there's a lot of blame, and I think there's a lot of junk that has happened to all of us in life. You know, I've rarely ever met anybody who said, well, they never have a problem. In fact, they were walking down the road, and they stubbed their toe, and they looked down, and there it was, a golden nugget. Usually, if I stub my toe, I usually break one of them. It isn't, it isn't this, um, everything goes your way. But what I have found is that as a Christian, God takes those things in my past, those uncomfortable situations, and God actually can use those to bless other people. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. Paul writes and he says, comfort one another with the comfort that you have received from God. In other words, how God ministered to you in that situation, you then minister to somebody else in that same way. Hey, honey, I don't exactly know what it's like to perhaps have a, 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 a brother die, but I know when my mom died, I shed a lot of tears. And it's with empathy we reach out to one another. Now, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is, I feel so bad for you. You're an unfortunate one, aren't you? Empathy is different. Empathy says, I feel what you feel. I understand the shoes that you're in. I may not have exactly the same uh, surroundings as you do. I may not have the same exact definition of what's happened in my life as you have, but I understand the grief. But I want to tell you, this is how God got me through it. And I'm here to pray with you to help you get through what you're going through. That's what love is, friends. That's what empathy is. And so he says, fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, for the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Again, Love is what people are looking for. You know, I remember back in the late 60s, early 70s. Yes, I was around there when the earth was cooling and I had a pet dinosaur. But anyway, but the idea of love was what people were looking for. I mean, if you listen to the, any old rock and roll songs on the radio, they were always singing about love. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. And you hear all about this, but you didn't see it exemplified much. Their idea of love was hanging, you know, handing you a baggie of dope and, oh man, hey man, let's love group together, you know, kind of thing. The problem was, it wasn't real. It didn't last. Anybody that grew up through that. I always use the illustration of the Beatles song. All, love is all you need. Love is all you need. And then they broke up. Oh, great. Whatever love that is, I don't want that love. But there was a real love. There was God's love. And the ability to share in the late 60s, early 70s, which I think contributed greatly to the Jesus movement, was because people were looking for love, and Jesus was the real deal. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store. 
or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.